Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw. Steps up. Floats a bomb up the right seam. Looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's Wednesday, so that means it's time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Meta covering the New York Jets for the New York Daily News. Hey, Manish, as far as I know, you don't have any cool nicknames like Peanut, right? No, no, no cool nicknames <laughs> like Peanut. I'm not even sure if Peanut's a cool nickname. When I think of Peanut, I think of Peanut Tillman, and it's usually guys who are small. So I can think of better nicknames than Peanut, but the Jets have a Peanut on their roster now. Indeed they do. A brand new linebacker. He was pegged as the understudy for C.J. Mosley, and yet a year later, here he is back in the understudy role. Yeah, he was uh, supposed to be the heir apparent, and uh, he was unproductive in Baltimore. They they ultimately replaced him as the starter, and uh, he comes to the Jets, shockingly, Scott, on a one-year contract. You know, I, I know that's probably uh, a big surprise to Jet fans. Uh, another player who comes on a low-cost one-year deal. But it does make that uh, inside linebacker room uh, rather crowded you know, with C.J. Mosley and and uh, Avery Williamson back on the mend, you know, bringing back Neville Hewitt. And, uh, and you got now Peanut. Uh, James Burgess is back as well, so it, it's it's a lot of guys uh, for two spots. I I will be interested, actually for one spot because C.J. Mosley is obviously going to be your Mike linebacker. 
uh, I'll be interested to see how it shakes out. I can't imagine all of these guys will be back. Uh, the obvious guy uh, that could go is Avery Williamson, not because of production necessarily, but because uh, of the money that he is making and the Jets could clear, I, I believe, around $6 million if they cut him. So uh, if there is a need for that money uh, immediately, uh, you know, getting rid of Avery Williamson, who they were interested in trading in the preseason last year, by the way, could be a possible path. Uh, but from a football perspective and a production perspective, if Avery Williamson is healthy, uh, I, he's, I think it's it's fairly obvious that he's the best of the bunch after C.J. Mosley. But uh, but again, if, if uh, you know they're looking for a way to get additional uh, cap space, uh, moving on from Avery Williams is uh, you know, a potential option. Manish, you've talked on the show before about how the Jets are cash-strapped, and it would seem to me that getting rid of Avery Williamson and Brian Winters, perhaps, would be a good way to alleviate that problem to some degree. Winters is owed $7.5 million. Avery Williamson is owed $8 million. If you get rid of the two of them, quick math says $15.5 million. Now, me personally... I'd like to see them both stick around if they're willing to take a shave, especially Winters. I would consider keeping Avery Williamson at the $8 million if you have to because I just think he's much, much better than what else they have at the position. Winters, you could say Van Roten and Lewis would be the starters, but for me, they're going to need guard depth because you're looking at a situation where the other two guards, Van Roten, missed five games last year with an injury. Alex Lewis misses time every single year. Last year was his healthiest year. He still missed time, but typically he's missed six games or more pretty much every season of his career. So I'd like to keep Winters around so that he could compete for a starting job, and then you've got guard depth. To me, it would make sense to ask him to take about $4 million. I don't think he gets more than that anywhere else, and it gives him the opportunity to stick around, try to win a starting job, and then if he does well next year, obviously the cap goes up and maybe he could cash out and get a pretty decent deal somewhere else, or even here to stick around because Van Roten is on a glorified one-year deal, and so is Alex Lewis. So let's talk about this a little bit, Manish. What do you think is going to happen with Brian Winters and Avery Williamson? Both of them seem to be, on paper at least, legitimate targets for being released. Yeah, I thought, you know, if this was a, a typical offseason, the, the Jets really would have liked to monitor Avery Williamson's progress coming off the ACL. And if he had played well in the preseason, perhaps he'd be auditioning for another team. The, the Jets, uh, you know, in an ideal scenario, would have loved to trade him. I just think the way that the NFL offseason is shaping up, you're in all likelihood not going to have any kind of OTA sessions this year. Who knows if uh, training camp is actually going to begin on time at the end of July. So I don't know how you can properly assess Avery Williamson coming off that injury. Uh, and if there is an abbreviated training camp and or preseason, that makes it that much more difficult. Uh, I would not be averse to moving on from Avery Williamson. Like he, look, he's a great leader in the locker room. Uh, he's a, you know, a tackling machine, I believe, is how Todd Bowles once described him. Uh, but he's clearly a liability in coverage. I think you can say very similar things about C.J. Mosley. And I think you saw uh, last season that Greg Williams' defense can you know play fairly well without Avery Williamson because they played fairly well without Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley uh, for the bulk of the season. So if there is an expendable piece in that defense, I think uh, 
the the inside linebacker spot uh, beside C.J. Mosley is is that spot, and just the idea, frankly, of devoting twenty six million dollars in cap space to the inside linebackers position between C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson is not a you know a structure that I believe uh, Joe Douglas uh, wants. Uh, in fact, I know he doesn't want that. It's a, it's a lot of money and a lot of cap space to be pouring into that position. So uh, I think you always want to keep as many good players as you can. So every Williamson would be an asset to the team in, in that respect. Uh, the more fascinating question for me is Brian Winters, because I think, Scott, you hit the nail on the head. You can't have too much depth on offensive line. If there's any team that understands that, it's this one because of uh, the issues and the uh, the ailments that they dealt with last year up front. And, uh, I, you know, I know there was a segment of the fan base that thought, well, Greg Van Roten is here, so Brian Winters is clearly expendable. But if you look at the details of Greg Van Roten's three-year contract, it really is a one-year, $3.5 million deal uh, with virtually no issues cutting him after 2020 if he underperforms. I think there's like a $250,000 uh, you know, dead money charge, and they clear a few million dollars. So it's an easy out for the Jets. And three and a half million dollars isn't a steep investment for uh, a guy that could be a starter for you. Uh, but you do have to factor in Brian William- Brian Winters' contract. Now he's going to get uh, you know seven plus million dollars, uh, seven and a half million dollars if he happened to play every game. He's got a roster bonus. Uh, you know, seven million dollar base salary. The, the, you know, the, the cap number is uh, about seven and seven point two, seven point three, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, if the Jets asked him to take a pay cut uh, from the seven million dollar base salary, they theoretically could do, uh, as you said, you know, four million dollars, somewhere in that neighborhood. So you, know, you take three million off his salary. He's making four. Uh, Van Roten's making three and a half. So you're essentially devoting the same amount of money to to the guard spot uh, between two guys as opposed to one guy, uh, just Winters. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I, I don't think there's any kind of slam dunk that the guards that you currently have, Van Roden and Alex Lewis, are going to be 16-game starters because, as you said, both those guys you know, have been banged up in the past. Uh, now, Van Roden ha- had a strange injury. a dislocated toe, so uh, you would tend to think that something like that, which is a freak injury, I guess, wouldn't happen again. But uh, having Winters there, uh, whether it's uh, as the backup to Van Roten, or I frankly think he should be the starter, uh, but uh, maybe that'll shake out in the summertime if there is a training camp. Having him uh, in in the building uh, to provide depth at the very least is a very smart move. Uh, Now, the, the potential of cutting him raises an interesting question. It's something that I was thinking about, uh, as I told you before we got on the podcast, Scott. If the Jets did cut Winters, it would really be doing him a disservice. And I understand it's a business. Uh, I understand players get cut all the time. But this is a guy who has been a lifelong Jet. Uh, This would be his eighth year as a Jet. He's probably the toughest player that I have covered in my career. Uh, And maybe that doesn't (laughs) count for much uh, from a Jet perspective. I, I can't I can't say for certain. What I can tell you is what Joe Douglas has said publicly, which is uh, you know, he, 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 he genuinely likes Brian Winters uh, in terms of his dedication. He's re, you know, he had been rehabbing at the facility before it closed. 
Uh, he's a guy who's played through injury and maybe to his detriment uh, in the past, but he's a guy who doesn't cut corners, and he is a lifelong Jet and uh, you know not a Pro Bowl caliber player. But this does remind me of what happened a few years back with David Harris and Eric Decker when they were cut in the summertime, uh, I believe in either May or even June. It was it was really late in the game, and it was because ownership wanted to save money, knowing that the Jets weren't going to be playoff relevant that year. They wanted to save money, so they cut uh, Decker, who had obviously been very productive in, in the prior couple years, and David Harris, who at that point had been a lifelong Jet for maybe a decade or so, you know, another upstanding guy, very similar to Winters in that respect, that does things the right way, represents the organization in the right way. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with cutting players like that because it is a business. Uh, you know, it's an unforgiving business in, in many respects. But I think that, uh, and maybe I'm naive here, I like to think that I'm not naive, but if, if I were running an organization, people uh, – who have been lifelong Jets uh, in in this in these particular cases, Brian Winters and David Harris. I think you owe them uh, the respect at the very least, if you're going to move on from them, to cut them at the start of free agency so they have ample opportunity to find another home. Because the longer you wait after free agency begins, uh, the more difficult it is for a player to find a home. And that just makes sense simply because teams – run out of money because they allocate their resources to available free agents. And then, uh, you know, three or four days go by, a week go by, uh, you know, two weeks go by. In Harris's case, you know, months went by. And they're really in a bind because their opportunity uh, to find a place that pays them uh, a reasonable amount, relatively speaking, of course, uh, is gone. And, and I think that you should treat players like David Harris in, in this particular case, Brian Winters, with more respect. Uh, no issue with cutting Brian Winters at all. But if you're going to cut it Brian Winters, do it at the beginning of free agency. Uh, so I, I'm not saying the Jets are going to cut Winters, but if they cut Winters, it would be extremely disappointing. I know there's people in the organization who think that if they went down that route, it would simply reflect more of what some people already believe about the organization, which is that it's not a well-run organization. And there are uh, motivations for a lot of these moves uh, that good organizations typically don't do. Now, I'm not saying good organizations don't cut uh, loyal players late because it does happen. It, it's not commonplace for a reason. And I think a guy like Brian Winters, uh, you know, deserves the respect uh, to not be hung out to dry. Uh, you know, I think ultimately, if I were a betting man. They, they will ask him to take a pay cut. I can't say that for certain, but I just think that when you look at the way that the Jets have operated in free agency, uh, they have told teams explicitly that they don't have the cash, that they're cash-strapped, cash-poor, however you want to describe it. And uh, you know, that comes directly from ownership. Uh, that, that's not uh, placing the blame uh, at Adam Gase's feet. That's not placing the blame at Joe Douglas's feet. Those guys also have bosses. And the ultimate boss is Christopher Johnson and Woody Johnson. And so if, if the Jets are telling agents of prospective free agents that they don't have the cash, that is one of two things. You can conclude one of two things. Either the Jets are uh, being disingenuous, uh, and I would hate to think that that happens, but I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. So either the, the team is being disingenuous or 
uh, it's a directive from ownership to save money. Uh, it's one of those two things. Uh, neither one of them is particularly good, but that's the reality. And uh, you know, I can't get into the Johnsons' finances because I don't know what their finances are. But uh, I can tell you that the Jets had been telling people for the last couple weeks that uh, they they don't have the cash to to spend big money. And uh, you know, that's disappointing. You know, if, if you're a fan, it's certainly disappointing. Uh, thinking that, hey, you know what? We got a new general manager. We got a lot of cap space and fans. And as we've talked about, Scott, get fooled uh, when they hear that they have a team has forty, fifty million dollars in cap space because the most important uh, storyline in free agency is never cap space. It's always cash. How much cash is ownership willing to dole out? Because if you dole out big signing bonuses and big money up front, you have to put that money in escrow. And if you don't have that money, if you don't have that disposable cash, if you're not liquid enough, you can't do that. And that's what really matters. And I think that's something that fans really should pay attention to moving forward when it comes to free agency. Cash matters more than cap. have to wonder if that's part of the reason why the Jets didn't go all in on some of these free agents that they liked, particularly somebody like Graham Glasgow. But they were able to get somebody like Greg Van Roten, who ended up costing a lot less money than most of us thought he would. The contract numbers are out, Manish, so let's talk a little bit about that. $3.5 million per year, three years. First year is the only one that's guaranteed. I think it's a pretty good deal. A lot of people thinking that he was going to get about double that didn't even come close. I, I think that fans should be careful when it comes to Van Roten and other people. When you try to gauge what a player's market value is, because you can have a perception that player A is worth $10 million, when the reality is that everybody in the NFL, in the know, people who do this for a living, they know that player A's market value is substantially lower. So it's easy to get fooled and and think to yourself, wow, you know what, my team got a bargain because they got this player at a fraction of what the player should have gotten. When the truth is that the player should not have gotten, in this particular example that I'm making up, uh, $10 million because he was never going to get $10 million. That was never his market value. His market value was always a fraction of that. And he got, frankly, what he deserved and uh, what he was worth. So, uh, you know, just to circle back to Van Roten, yeah, it's a three-year, I guess on paper, it's a three-year, $10.5 million deal. Uh, the reality is that uh, he's getting three and a quarter million dollars uh, fully guaranteed at signing, but when you factor in, uh, you know, in-game roster bonuses up to $250,000, they're obviously not going to cut him between now and the start of the 2020 season. So the reality is is that he's going to get uh, anywhere between $3.25 million and $3.5 million. Uh, in 2020. And because of the way the contract is structured, there is no guaranteed money beyond this season. They could easily cut him uh, after one year and have, as I said earlier, minimal damage. I think it's something like $250,000. So if they wanted to move on from him, they could. I think there's a trap, however, uh, just getting back to your original point, there's a trap in believing everything you hear and perhaps everything you read about what a player's market value is. His market value was never 8 to $10 million as some had suggested that's actually laughable uh and, and i backtracked and talked to a bunch of people uh in the league about the uh, you know most of these jet players but when i got to van roten uh that was never going to happen 
Uh, I think $5 million was probably your ceiling for him. Uh, that's frankly probably something he could have gotten uh, uh, you know, months earlier, perhaps. But uh, you know, getting $3.5 million is probably where he ultimately should have settled, uh, and that's what the Jets got him for. So uh, did they get a bargain? I don't subscribe to that notion at all. I don't subscribe to the idea that they got a bargain. I think they paid what the player was truly worth. And, uh, you know, we'll find out if he's productive. And if he is productive, he'll stick around. If not, it'll be a one-and-done situation. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Manish, I got to be honest with you. Right now, I'm very sad because one of the most beloved Jets, one of the players that has been a key for this franchise for a significant period of time, and somebody who I think was invaluable as a player here, Marquis Christian has chosen to move on. (laughs) (laughs) The Marquis Christian era is over. So we all thought that he was coming here. Turns out that apparently there was no done deal, so he moves on elsewhere. And then Sam Martin, the punter who the Jets were looking at, he ends up not coming as well. What went on with those two? Well, Christian... uh puzzling only because look he signed a one year slightly above veteran minimum or veteran minimum deal uh, you know with incentives escalators he could get up to 2 million dollars but it was an extremely cheap veteran deal uh, and the party line and and believe me i i've probably spent more time than i should have looking into this but the party line is that they just couldn't come to fi- final contract terms which is obvious uh, I, I was more interested in learning uh, was it an issue with in-game roster bonuses? Was it an issue with escalators, playtime 
uh, you know, you get into the nitty gritty. I'm not exactly sure how many Jet fans or fans in general care about uh, all of that. The the bottom line is that whatever was agreed upon verbally initially, uh, you know, something was lost in translation. And you're probably only talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, that's a lot of money to you and me, of course, but to, to NFL players in the grand scheme of things, and to NFL teams, obviously, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, so it is a little peculiar to me why they couldn't come to some kind of an agreement, because, again, we're not talking about a big gulf here. There wasn't a, uh, a divide of a few million dollars uh, where you you know, you know have to walk away and say, look, it's not going to work out. It's a, it's a relatively, and I say relatively uh, because, again, in real life it's a lot of money, but relatively speaking it's not that much money. So uh, a little odd that they couldn't bring him in. He would have been a, a core special teamer, uh, a depth piece uh, at the safety position. Uh, you know, I think the Jets will be fine <laughs> without him. Just kind of an odd dynamic where you have somebody on such a cheap deal not being able to come to an agreement. So I, I can't tell you definitively uh, you know, whether the blame goes you know, toward the team or toward the player. Um, you know, maybe we'll never find out. Maybe it's one of those great mysteries. You know, I just watched The Irishman, and I just learned about the uh, the Jimmy Hoffa mystery, apparently, that everybody knew except me. I, I thought it was a mystery, but apparently now we have an idea who killed him. Uh, maybe one of these days we'll find out exactly what happened with Marquis Christian. Uh, in terms of the punter, look, that's a, that's a position that still needs to be still still needs to be uh, uh, you know solved, right? It's an issue that still has to be rectified. Uh, I, I thought Lachlan Edwards did a, a good enough job to earn coming back. Uh, I'm not a punting expert by any stretch of the imagination, but to me, he was a you know middle of the pack to, uh, type of punter. You know, not a Pro Bowl punter, not the worst punter. But Sam Martin, who had been with Detroit, was somebody that they really liked, but someone that they had no interest in paying what he ultimately got. Now he signed a three-year, seven million dollar deal in Denver. Uh, the first year, I believe he gets somewhere in the neighborhood of two to two and a half million dollars, which was too pricey for the Jets. Uh, and as I mentioned before, they do like the Texas A&M kid, the guy uh, Braden Mann, who won the Ray Guy Award as the best punter in the nation two years ago. So that's a, a possibility on day three of the draft. Uh, if he lasted day three, which I <laughs> I would imagine that he would, because he's a punter. Uh, there's some free agents out there. Matt Dar's a guy, if you remember, Scott, who actually came in during training camp last year. He had a history with Adam Gase in Miami, and he competed with Lachlan Edwards. And I, I think you and I talked about how odd it was that the Jets had a punting competition, but they didn't have a kicking competition, and kicker was clearly an issue throughout the entire offseason. But uh, that's another guy that's you know on their radar. Uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that they're in a rush, at this point to get a punter but uh, that's clearly an area that that you know they need to you know they need to figure out you know you got to feel the punter there's no ifs ands or buts about it uh you know edge rusher situational edge rusher specifically is also a spot that i think that they want to address now what i found was interesting is that Vinny curry is a player that joe douglas has a history with uh obviously from their days in philly they they won a super bowl together and that's a player that Joe Douglas wanted, frankly, uh, a week and a half, two weeks ago. And uh, you know they couldn't have come to any kind of agreement. Uh, we'll find out if things, you know, come back and there's a possibility moving forward. But my understanding now is that 
uh, you know, that's not going to happen. And again, things can change from day to day. But uh, I know that Joe Douglas wanted him. Uh, he, you know, if it was up to him, he would have signed him a week and a half ago. That didn't happen. The Jets moved on, signed a bunch of other players. Uh, perhaps cash factors into this equation as well. Not that Vinnie Curry was going to make a lot of money, but perhaps they've exhausted the cash that they wanted to spend because you know, my understanding as of right now, uh, as we're taping the podcast, is that you know it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, perhaps that changes you know, down the road, but uh, an interesting dynamic, you know, a player that the GM wanted two weeks ago, and then uh, I, I suppose, look, if you don't get a deal done in a short amount of time, uh, you have to sign other players at different positions, and then you, even though these are low-cost contracts that the Jets are doling out, perhaps they just don't feel like uh, they want to, you know, exhaust uh, any additional cash right now for Vinnie Curry, but I, I do know that the Jets would like to still uh, look at that spot uh, on the edge, and maybe that gets addressed in the draft. But uh, that, that's an area that needs to be taken care of as well. Backup quarterback is still uh, TBD. Matt Moore is the guy that everybody points to because he has had a relationship with Adam Gase. Uh, he was the starting quarterback for Adam Gase's only playoff appearance as a head coach in Miami uh, when they ultimately lost to Miami. Uh, sorry, lost to Pittsburgh in that playoff game. And Matt Moore's the guy who actually played, I think, reasonably well last year in Kansas City. Uh, but as of now, uh, there hasn't been communication with Matt Moore either. Uh, that's not to say that that can't change, because I don't know if people are knocking down the door for Matt Moore, so he's probably always going to be available. But the uh, backup quarterback, punter, uh, situational edge rusher, obviously cornerback, uh, those are probably the top four areas that still need to be addressed, along with you know offensive line. Uh, that's going to be a running theme throughout uh, the draft as well. Uh, and those are probably the top handful of spots that the Jets still need to shore up. Manish, two things. First of all, it's amazing to me that you could cover the Jets all this time and not know that Jimmy Hoffa is buried under the Meadowlands joke. That That's just an old wives' tale, right? <laughs> and the other thing is, I don't understand why you would come on the podcast and straight up lie. You said you're not a punting expert, and right now I'm looking at your LinkedIn bio. It says Manish Mehta, reporter, New York Daily News slash punting expert. So why would you come on here and say you're not a punting expert? I don't know anything about punting, although I'll say the only thing I know about punting is that in the summertime, maybe it was the spring, but I remember one day Greg Williams coming over to reporters who were, were watching a practice and just waxing poetic about how great of a job the Jets do in practice in directional punting and how he had been with teams throughout his football life in which that was never stressed and how impressed he was with Brant Boyer and with Lachlan Edwards and with the whole idea of stressing directional punting. So uh, I think that's probably the longest conversation I've had with anyone about punting over the course of the last calendar year. Uh, when, I, when I think of punters, I think of can he get it inside the 20? Uh, you know, what's your, what's your net average? And, you know, directional punting is extremely valuable, but I, I can't profess to tell you how good of a directional punter Lachlan Edwards was, or any of these guys, or Steve Weatherford was back in the day. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, uh, you know, I got to change that on my LinkedIn profile. That's for sure. <laughs> Hopefully, the <laughs> fact that Greg Williams is so impressed with the directional punting means that he'll stick around as defensive coordinator when the Jets finally do the right thing and promote Brant Boyer to head coach at some point. 
But that's another discussion for another time. Manish, discussion I wanted to have right now, though, is about your first mock draft, which you put out in the Daily News. So if you haven't seen it yet, it's available at the Daily News website and in the newspaper, too. Let's go through this because you only went through up to the point where the Jets would pick. The first two picks, everybody knows. There's no mystery here. Number one is going to be Joe Burrow, the quarterback from LSU to the Bengals. Number two is going to be Ohio State edge rusher Chase Young to the Redskins. There was some buzz that maybe the Redskins would take to a tag of Iowa, or maybe they would trade down. I don't see that happening, and quite frankly, they shouldn't do anything like that. They should just sit there and take Chase Young because Chase Young, I think, is a potential generational talent at the position. And then we get to number three, and this is where things get a little bit interesting. This is not anything that would be a huge surprise. A lot of people are anticipating this, but the Dolphins jumping up from number five to number three to grab Tua Tagovailoa. He's probably not going to play in 2020. The idea would be for him to sit behind Fitzpatrick, recover from his injuries, and then be ready to go in 2021. Makes sense to me considering that the Dolphins have a ton of draft picks, young players. This is more of a rebuild year, so they could absorb taking a quarterback that high and letting him sit for a year. Whether or not they decide they need to go up to three or that they can sit at five and hope that two falls to them is something that we'll find out when the draft comes. But I think this makes a lot of sense. And if the Lions like who we think they like, and we'll get to that in a second, it would make a lot of sense from their standpoint as well. So, Manish, what do you think? Is Tua going to be the answer for the Dolphins at quarterback? Because right now we assume Sam Darnold is the answer for the Jets. We're going to find out. If Josh Allen is the answer for the Bills, the Patriots seem to really like Jared Steidham, and now this would give the Dolphins their guy. I just don't know, to answer your question, I just don't know if Tua can stay healthy. Uh, You know, he has not proven that over the last couple years, and if that's going to be a recurring theme in his career, then no, he he won't be the answer for Miami or anybody. Uh, You know, I, I, I struggled with the idea of, Miami trading up, but then you know, I, I just think with the Chargers hovering uh, at the number six spot and, and they're looking for a quarterback as well, uh, I think their plan uh, would be to have Tyrod Taylor and a rookie. And so if you've got two teams potentially vying for the same quarterback and you know vying to move up from five or six to three, then you know, maybe Miami thinks you know we can't stay at five and get to a so we're going to have to give up some of our draft capital. And look, they've got a million picks. Everybody knows that. They've stockpiled them. Uh, so they've got the ammo to move up. And that's what prompted me to have them slotted at the number three spot uh, as opposed to just kind of waiting until five because the Lions are not going to take Tua. The Giants at four are not going to take Tua. Uh, I just, however, you know, the specter of the Chargers right behind Miami at six uh, prompted me to, to move Miami up. Uh, you know, with Detroit to get to a, uh, if he is the, if he is the Tua that we saw when healthy the last couple of years, then yes, uh, the Dolphins are going to be a formidable team because I really do like what Miami did this off season. Uh, you know, I've spoken plenty of times about what I like about what Buffalo is doing, uh, you know, surrounding Josh Allen with talent on offense and defense. But uh, this free agency, Miami was not gun-shy. They had all that money. They, they, they really upgraded at a lot of spots. We'll see if all those pieces work together. But getting Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy, 
and Shaq Lawson. These aren't, you know, all pro players by any stretch, but these are vast improvements in, in you know, uh, to what they had in 2019. And I just think if they bring back Fitzpatrick, and Jet fans are fully aware about the good and the bad of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he is a good bridge quarterback. And if you have a guy like Tua who's coming off the hip surgery, who you don't necessarily want to rush into your starting lineup, having a bridge guy like Fitzpatrick makes a lot of sense. I don't know uh, what that will mean in terms of wins and losses for the Dolphins in 2020. Uh, They had five wins. uh, they played really well down the stretch, punctuated by that big win against the Patriots that, that frankly screwed New England in terms of playoff seeding. So uh, I, I like the general manager. I really like the head coach. I, I think he's a solid presence, and, and I like the moves that they made this offseason. The big question is can they solve the quarterback spot? And if Tua can remain healthy, and it's a big it's a big if at this stage, but if he can remain healthy, then – Miami and it's going to be formidable. The Jet fans are not going to want to hear that, but that's just reality. They will be a formidable team if the Dolphins land Tua and and let's not forget all of these other draft picks that they have. And these are high picks, first round, additional first round picks, additional second round picks, third round picks. These guys can all be foundation pieces for this franchise, and that would be the Jets' worst nightmare because not only are you contending with Buffalo, who's on the come, but you've got Miami who is accelerating this rebuild process like no other because of smart moves that they made in the past year and a half in trades and getting draft capital. Uh, I, I just think that Miami's a team that could surprise a lot of people in the next couple of years. Uh, I'm not ready to say that they can instantly transform overnight and be a playoff contender in 2020. Uh, however, it wouldn't surprise me if they were playing relevant games in December uh, but ultimately their long-term success is going to depend on whether they can hit on the quarterback. Uh, and if Tua is the guy that we saw you know, win the Heisman a couple years ago, <laughs> then that could be really bad news for the rest of the AFC East because, uh, again, I think they have the foundation with the head coach, and I think they've got an opportunity unlike any other uh, in the league this offseason with all the money they had in free agency, with all these draft picks, to to really rapidly – fix all of uh, or most of their problems that they've had over the last several years at four five and six we've got some interesting ones makai becton the tackle from louisville who was profiled on this show monday and tuesday going to the giants that one makes some sense to me because gettleman loves upside and makai becton has the most upside of anybody in this draft still very raw as a pass protector but The Giants are a very run-heavy team for the year 2020, and Becton is a mauler in the run game, so he would do wonders for Saquon Barkley. At number five, the Lions taking Jeff Okuda. That makes all the sense in the world. Apparently, the Lions really like him, which they should because he's awesome, and they need somebody that can come in and contribute right now because Matt Patricia's job is probably on the line. And at number six, a real curveball here, Manish. A lot of people expecting the Chargers to go quarterback. Justin Herbert, get a kid from the West Coast, plug him in there to take over for Phillip Rivers. Instead, you've got them taking Andrew Thomas from Georgia. So let's talk about this a little bit. I think with the Giants, you never really know what Gettleman can do. Becton makes a lot of sense based on what we know the Giants want to do and the fact that Gettleman loves upside, but he has been tied to Derek Brown from Auburn, the defensive tackle, and Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker slash safety 
from Clemson. They made a lot of moves on the defense in the offseason, but that's never stopped Gettleman from doing something that doesn't seem to make sense on paper. So it's possible he could still go with Brown or especially Simmons. At five, the Lions, that's an obvious one. And then at six, like I said, the Chargers. That one would break a lot of Jet fans' hearts because you're looking at a pick where everybody wants them to go quarterback, at least Jets fans, because you want that tackle still on the board. If Andrew Thomas goes there at six, then all of a sudden we're looking at a potential run at offensive line the rest of the way throughout the top ten. Yeah, look, full disclosure, I think that as we get closer to the draft, I'm going to move Isaiah Simmons up. I have him uh, out of the top six right now. Uh, I think that he will probably be a, a top five pick. Uh, for, per- for purposes of this first mock draft, look, I don't think the Jets, are, sorry, the Giants can go wrong with taking Isaiah Simmons because their defense isn't good or it wasn't good a, a year ago. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to argue that if, if they ultimately win in that direction. I just think you've got a young quarterback, you've got a franchise running back, your offensive line is obviously subpar, you've got your pick of the litter, you've got four you know, potential top ten tackles uh, at your uh, disposal here. You can choose. So – why not do that? That, that? that is the mindset that I would have if I were the Giants, if I were Dave Gettleman. And Becton is athletically freakish in, in terms of size, in terms of speed. We saw that at the Combine. And I think if you're going to protect your two most valuable assets, and that's Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, uh, that's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, So I, I'm going with Becton right now. Uh, would it surprise me if they went with Isaiah Simmons? No. Would you know? Would it be uh, a bad move if they went with Isaiah Simmons? Absolutely not. And again, I have Isaiah Simmons going seventh right now. My gut tells me he's going to be a top five pick. But uh, but for now, you know, getting getting the tackle for Daniel Jones for Saquon Barkley makes all the sense in the world. Uh, the Lions, look, they traded away Darius Slay. They had the worst pass defense in the NFL. Uh, as you mentioned, Matt Patricia's on the hot seat. That defense was atrocious last year. Uh, they need to get a number one corner. They signed Desmond Trufant, but Desmond Trufant would be better served as the number two corner. You get uh, Akuda, make him your number one corner. You got Trufant and Akuda on the outside. I think uh, you could do a lot worse than that. Uh, he's the best corner in this draft. Uh, at least it appears that way. Uh, I think time will bear that out as well. Uh, and they don't need to take him at three. So uh, I think ultimately Detroit is going to trade. I, I don't know if it's going to be with the Dolphins, the Chargers, another team, but it makes too much sense for them to trade because they can get their guy uh, after three. They don't need to take the corner at three, and that's why I think ultimately they're going to end up with the corner. It just won't be at three. It'll be later. Uh, you mentioned the Chargers, and I struggled with that. I don't have Justin Herbert in the top ten. You know, as we get closer to the draft and I get a better sense talking to people around the league, uh, I, I get a sense that I probably will have Justin Herbert in the top ten, but right now I don't. Uh, the Chargers would like to have Tyrod Taylor and a rookie. That, that's kind of their plan, and Herbert would make sense. Uh, I, I just I'm, I am not sold on Herbert. Look, I'm not, I haven't broken down the tape. Uh, I'm not a scout. That's not what I do. I just go off of what people who do that for a living tell me, and I, I just – have heard enough, you know, there are enough red flags there for me to not warrant him being the number six pick. And ultimately, you know, he, he could be a, 
the number six pick. I think he's probably going to be in the top ten. I just think if you've got an opportunity to get a tackle, uh, you know, given what the Chargers' offensive line looks like, you, you take Thomas. And you're right, it's 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 probably bad news for the Jets, but uh, other teams don't care about the Jets. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm looking at the Chargers and what they could absolutely use. And franchise quarterback is number one, of course, but improving the offensive line is is a close second. And if they're not sold on Herbert, then Thomas to me makes a lot of sense. Look, you got you still got Thomas, Wills, and Wirfs available, so perhaps they go in one of those directions. But I think you know, getting a left tackle for them makes the most sense, and Thomas to me would be the best left tackle option. I actually agree with you on Justin Herbert, but I'm hoping that there are teams that don't see it that way because I want him to go in the top 10 so that he pushes some of the offensive linemen down for the Jets. At 7, you've got the Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons. That makes sense. I also think they could go with Derek Brown because the Panthers had a terrible run defense last year. Could even go with a tackle as well because they could use some extra protection for Teddy Bridgewater so that he could get the ball downfield to our old friend Robbie Anderson. At number eight, you've got Jedrick Wills from Alabama going to the Cardinals. That makes a ton of sense. Depends on which tackle Cliff Kingsbury likes, but Wills would be an excellent fit there, and I think there's no doubt they're going tackle after making that trade for DeAndre Hopkins. At nine, that's where you've got Derek Brown going. Makes a lot of sense. I think if it's not Derek Brown, it could be Simmons if he's on the board, or perhaps even Javon Kinlaw if they like him better than Derek Brown. And then at number 10, another one that is going to break some Jets fans' hearts, Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle from Iowa, who you're going to hear a lot about on the show next week. This is more or less the nightmare scenario for a lot of Jets fans because the hope is that one of these four offensive tackles would fall to number 11 with the New York Jets. But in this scenario, Manish, that doesn't happen. Now, I think there's a possibility that somebody jumps into the top 10 to grab a wide receiver or there's some other mixing and matching going on that we're not aware of. Perhaps somebody really likes Javon Kinlaw or somebody likes C.J. Henderson and one of those guys goes in the top 10. But based on this mock draft, you now have the Jets sitting at number 11 with all four of those offensive tackles off the board, but with all of the wide receivers still on the board. But you don't have the Jets picking any of the receivers at number 11. What do you have them doing? I have them trading down four spots to Denver. Uh, The Broncos have three third-round picks. Uh, They're looking for a wide receiver. They know that the Raiders at 12 are absolutely, uh, well, not absolutely because there are no absolutes in the draft, but uh, there's a strong possibility that the Raiders at 12 will take a wide receiver. I think that the Niners at 13 are going to take a wide receiver. Uh, So theoretically, uh, you could get the third wide receiver on your board if you're Denver. Uh, I don't know how Denver rates Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs. I, I don't know. But if they have an affinity for one guy in particular, which I imagine that they would, they get an opportunity in this scenario uh, to get the number one wide receiver off the board. And they do have that additional capital in the third round. Uh, I think what would make sense would be their first third round pick uh, in the mid, I think it's mid to late 70s. If they could give that pick up to move up four spots, the Jets would drop down to 15 and take uh, Josh Jones, who's, a, who's not one of the four tackles that everyone believes are the four best tackles but he is a guy who you know needs a little bit of development but he's got a lot of experience 
uh, at the college level who I think would make a lot of sense for what Joe Douglas wants. And yes, it is tempting to get C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy. Uh, you know, I don't think they would get rugs, but uh, it's tempting to get one of those coveted wide receivers. But uh, as you, I'm sure, have said on other podcasts, and as I know that you and I have talked about, and everybody seems to be talking about, it's a very deep wide receiver class. The Jets have an early day two pick. They could take a wide receiver with their early day two pick. They could take two wide receivers on day two in round sec in round two or three. In this scenario, they get uh, an additional third round pick. They already had more than one third round pick, so you're in position to get a potential starting tackle and beef up uh, your draft capital and still get a guy who could be a starting wide receiver with your second round pick. So that's why I don't think that Joe Douglas is going to take a wide receiver uh, at 11. Frankly, I would be surprised. That would probably be the biggest surprise for me if the Jets ultimately took a wide receiver with their first pick. Uh, I, I don't think that that's what Joe Douglas believes in. Uh, and, and when you factor in that it's such a deep wide receiver class, it makes even less sense to take a wide receiver uh, with a, a number 11 pick. And that's not to say that the guy that they take uh, as a wide receiver if they chose to go down that road isn't going to be a good player because I actually do believe that Lamb and Judy are going to be good players. But if you're looking at how Douglas uh, says he wants to build the team and what matters most, protecting the quarterback and helping the running back, uh, you know, shoring up the offensive line makes probably the most sense simply because I don't know what the offensive line looks like. Uh, people seem to think that the, all these new faces are going to make the offensive line better, and maybe it will be marginally better, but we don't know if it's going to be markedly better. we got a, a bunch of guys other than the center on one, essentially one-year deals. At some point, do, don't you want a young tackle who you, who's going to stick around for the next at least four years, uh, hopefully for the next decade with Sam Darnold? And if you have an opportunity to do that in this draft, you've got to take it. And that doesn't mean that the opportunity is dead and gone if those top four tackles are gone. Because we don't know five years from now who the top four tackles from this draft class are going to be. It's not necessarily going to be Wirfs, Thomas, Wills, and Becton. Uh, I mean, that's what people are projecting right now. But the reality is that Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, others, uh, they could wind up being one of the top handful of tackles in this draft uh, in, in, in when we look back on it in the next several years. So uh, I know that you know fans and Draft experts like to say you got to get one of these four tackles. Heck, I've said it right uh, a bunch of times during the, this podcast. But a team that walks away with Josh Jones or Austin Jackson, who's a very young player, uh, who's to say that those teams aren't going to wind up with the best tackle or the second best tackle five years from now? We don't know that. But the idea of getting you know, a, a foundation piece at the tackle position for this franchise and for Sam Darnold to me trumps getting a wide receiver. Josh Jones would actually be perfect for what Adam Gase likes to do, I think, because he's a really good pass protector. In fact, PFF has him ranked as the number one pass protector in the draft. Now, I know that we should all be skeptical of PFF's rankings. I just think that's kind of interesting. I also think for that reason, Joe Douglas may have Josh Jones ranked higher on his board than a lot of people realize. So I think this would actually be a really good scenario if those tackles are all off the board, pick up extra picks, 
to get very badly needed ammo for later in the draft and still get a tackle that you think can be your guy for the long term. The only problem here is that the Tampa Bay Bucks are sitting at number 14. So if you trade back to 15, it's possible that the Bucks decide they want to get Josh Jones to help protect Tom Brady. You don't know. So that's the risk you take. But I do think it would be a fascinating scenario. And obviously, there are a lot of dominoes still to fall as we get ready for the draft in a couple of weeks. Manish Mehta covering the New York Jets for the New York Daily News. Thanks so much for coming on as always. Really appreciate it. What do you got cooking in the Daily News right now? I know you got the mock draft, but what's coming up after that? That's a great question. Uh, obviously, I'll be focusing on the draft, uh, who the Jets could be interested in beyond day one. I, I know that there's so much focus on the number 11 pick, but the draft doesn't end. <laughs> it doesn't end uh, after the 11th pick or after the first round. So uh, Joe Douglas is going to have a lot of pressure on him. Uh, he, he wants to build through the draft. He's given a lot of short-term prove-it deals to a dozen or so people in free agency. But in order for his plan to work, in order for him to to properly build this team the way he wants to build it, he really has to come away with, uh, I think, three top-notch starters in this draft. And there's a lot of pressure on him. He's got to nail this draft. He's got to nail others as well. But in order for this thing to truly get off the ground and to have some viability potential, uh, he needs to inject this team with more foundation pieces because he doesn't have many right now. But he could uh, he could add three uh, for his sake. Three would be nice. Anything more would be unbelievable. But if he can hit on three like uh, foundation pieces to the puzzle uh, in a, in another three or so weeks, I think he'd be happy. Go ahead and follow Manish on Twitter and read his work in the New York Daily News. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way to help us out, so we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.